welcome to Conversations with H, and we have a superb, amazing, incredible guest with us today. She is an excellent German, no, Ghanaian-born German raised. Let's make sure we get that right. Entrepreneur, where she's a co-founder of Curlcon, the largest and leading Afro hair, beauty, and lifestyle platform fair in Germany, as well as Stylendi and Curl Agency. She is also a podcast host for young broke and sharp she is a brand consultant event producer strategist and a model who's been featured on vogue you know she was doing this one with the with the with the you saw with, with the, the vitae with the, with the vitae you saw it we all saw it she's also been featured in bloomberg business insider vice and more she's a traveler whether that's the uk ghana or anywhere else in the world i remember speaking to her in 2016 about her passion for black people in Germany and better representation. And now she's doing an excellent job in empowering not only, not only the people of her current stage, but people in the future. She is an amazing, amazing woman. I introduce to you, Nana Addison. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. That that was a very big introduction. I hope I can I can fill fill that space. Just be you. That just be you, just be the nana that that that, that, that I know and love. Just be that, and you'll okay. be okay. You'll be alright. Okay, but, I'll try to be that. <laughs> but for those, no, thank you for having me. Nah, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I feel like I don't even know too much in depth of your story, which is what we're mm-hmm. going to tap into a little bit more. But I know what you were trying to do back in 2016, and yeah. now with where you're at, yeah, is just massive but for those who don't know who you are who is nana <laughs> well um i'm a yeah i'm a Ghanaian, a german currently i like to say i'm a Ghanaian with a german passport who plays <laughs> in germany because things are move, things are not really moving correctly when we look at the government but that's another topic <laughs> i mean i'm a Ghanaian, i'm a Ghanaian young woman now mm. i'm 32 years old mm. and um or young and yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a business in uh, in Germany, which is an agency that does brand consultancy. And then I own, as you said, Coralcom, which is the biggest beauty and lifestyle fair in mm. Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. So mm. all the German-speaking countries, actually. You go, girl. Cover all of them, yeah. And um, I don't know, like, my journey, I don't even know where to start. I would say my journey started when, um, in school, when I realized that, honestly, I will not be successful with the uh, when it comes to the how you say it, uh, um, ordinary not ordinary but general path of school uni yeah, and the, career the typical yeah 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 the typical yeah the typical path because I was I am dyslexic so mm. early on I realized okay I will have challenges going with the regular system mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't really serve serve my the way my brain works mm. and it will always show up as a red mark or error when it isn't really an yeah, error yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. That. yeah so I was always looking for like alternative ways and I was always very fascinated um with entrepreneurs I don't know I don't know why but they always had an appeal to me like shameful confession I was like really much of fan of Trump at the time because I don't know whoa. he was like <laughs> he was like a very famous entrepreneur yeah, at the yeah, time yeah. I didn't know he was lying <laughs> about everything <laughs> and at the time I didn't know what a narcissist was yeah, now yeah, I yeah. know <laughs> but 
But at the time I was like, yes, like being an entrepreneur, that's the thing. And I can be my own boss and uh, I can have my own company. And I was always very, very like, I don't know, fascinated by that. Mm. And I also think I had a little challenge with like, um, with like rules, like stagnation. Mm. Because I was always looking to improve things. And um, I always found myself being, um, how you say it, uh, being not yeah, not punished, but some kind of way punished for yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah. let's say I see something could work more efficient if we do that change. Yeah. But that's not my place or that's not my job title or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then people would say like, you know what, calm down, stay in your place and so on. And wow. that would frustrate me so much. Mm. So I think all of these things contributed to my desire to... Um, uh, to have my own business and then as I was growing older like in, like especially like late teens like 16 to 20 mm. um, I think legacy became also a big factor for me mm. and I, I can't tell you why it was that young I don't know but I think it became a big factor because um, I started dating maybe and mm -hmm. I grew up without my dad mm. so I was just looking at like family constellations mm. and then I was observing that like especially like um, uh, Afro-diasporan families in the German-speaking mm. spaces, a lot of them were struggling financially and that trickled down to a lot of other issues. Mm. And, um, and I thought like, okay, what I, what I really don't want is that my, my family, my kids and everyone who's coming after me will ever have to hear like, no, you can't afford this. Mm. Because that to me was the most excruciating answer that I could hear. Mm. My mom said, oh, we can't afford this. And I, was, I, I hated that. Mm. And so I think that was also a factor that contributed to kind of like my motivation. And then all of this combined was like, okay, how can I, you know, not suffocate on like authority that isn't innovative or mm. not forward thinking? And how can I be in a space or create a space where even the small people's voices matter if the contribution is useful? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And then how can I create like financial freedom for my family and my future kids? Um, and all of this, like, yeah, all said entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship. Mm. So it was like, okay, I knew, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur. I just don't know how and in what space. <laughs> That's mm. kind of how it was. And then from, I would say from 18 onward it was just the journey about figuring out how entrepreneurship works yeah yeah, yeah. and what I can do what my lane is and yeah and it, it has been a interesting bumpy ride my friend <laughs> we're gonna get we're gonna get into the ride and we're gonna get into the journey um but I want to go back a little bit um yeah. in terms of you being born in Ghana mm -hmm. do you remember how long well let's let's start with this how long were you in Ghana before you yeah. then moved to Germany? Yeah. Um, I was born in Kumasi, which is like the Ashanti region in Ghana. So yeah. it's the West. Um, Ashanti is like the biggest, one of the biggest tribes in Ghana as well. And I was uh, born there and I came to Germany when I was three or okay. three becoming four. Um, my dad already studied in Germany. Yeah. And he had a German uh, citizenship already. Okay. So although I was born in Ghana, I, ins I automatically had the German citizenship. Yeah. And that made it fairly easy for my mom to come and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, we all, they moved us from Ghana to Germany. The thing that I remember was the sheer horror at the airport that I, I feel like it has, I don't know, it's sunk into my DNA. I don't really? Know. Yeah. What do you mean in terms of that? Oh, was it? You yeah. Talk, talk I, us through 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so we, when we arrived at the airport, I got out of the airport and there was all white people, right? Yeah. And then uh, the, and then they came because I'm a child, like I was in a, in a stroller. Yeah. They came and they were like, oh, I don't know what they were saying, sweet Negro baby. I don't know what they were saying to me. But I remember they were trying to touch me. And that was the horror. Wow. So my, so my, I remember that horror. And my mom said I was screaming as if someone was trying to like bring fire or something. But I was just screaming like, ah. <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> yeah, but I remember I remember that I when I arrived that wasn't a pleasant feeling. I do remember that. Because I also I also remember that I felt very safe and stuff um with my grandma cuz I was with my grandma in Ghana. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I like the immigration or whatever for me as a child wasn't necessary because I liked my space. Maybe if mm. I was a teenager, it would have been different. Yeah. But I guess I really liked being around my aunt, my aunties and my grandma and so on. Mm. And my mom said she felt like I didn't even notice that she and my dad weren't around because there were so many other people, like a village that raises yeah, child. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I wasn't even like really cognizant that my parents were out there building something to get to bring us. <laughs> I was just living my best life, you know. <laughs> living your best life at three. I love it. I absolutely love it. Do you, um, do you, were you ever exposed to people of a different color prior to your moving to Germany? Or was it literally just you surrounded by black people and yeah. then you've moved to Germany and now it's like, okay, no one here looks like me. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly how it was for me when, like, when I arrived. And then also, um, before I went to kindergarten, because I came with three, and then kindergarten starts, like, at four, five, yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So even then, when we arrived, I was still in an all Ghanaian household, you know? Mm. And then there was my aunties and my uncles, the few that lived there, and it was kind of like a very, um, how can I call it, insula? No, mm like a capsule, like a small yeah, like a yeah, bubble. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I still didn't fully, like, I wasn't emerged in, like, a white white space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it really, like, it really happened when I went to kindergarten was when I really realized, like, okay, the tables have turned because I'm <laughs> the only one up in here. <laughs> Things have changed for the worse. Do you remember those experiences, though, like, being at school, being, yeah. like, I can't, well, I can't even imagine because growing up in the UK, we're very multicultural. Yeah. So the schools that I went to, there might have been more of a certain um, ethnicity. However, it was yeah. it was rarely ever white. It was more so yeah. either Asian or black, and that would be the yeah. the majority in school. So, mm-hmm. but for yourself being in Germany, I can I can't even imagine what mm-hmm. that would have been like. So, do you yeah. remember those experiences? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like it was like I was a circus attraction like the kids wanted to like touch me some wanted to like lick my face because they've never like chocolate you know what I mean they never like like people in around them yeah and uh, I always say like children are just the reflection of the parents so Mm. if the parents don't are not like um adamant about exposing the kids to to all kinds of varieties of human beings yeah the kids will respond in the same way so they literally the way I saw them as something new is the same way they saw me as something, something new. new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what appears to be quite innocent then becomes like very daunting because it doesn't stop. That's mm. that I think that was the problem. So the like the discovery of 
the African girl or the black girl, mm. it didn't stop. <laughs> and I think that is what was was weighing on me after a couple of years because I think if a child comes to me and it's like oh my god there's a black person I have mm. never seen them before I look at their parents I don't look at the child I'm like yo mm. can you just give them a, a different children's book or something you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have those experience on the train where they're like oh my god what is this <laughs> but <laughs> but if I meet like an adult and there's still the same response that to me is like that that's kind of a problem to me so in school it was uh, quite cruel mm. first they were like so first the kids were curious and mm. then they were bullying me so first it was like the natural kitty curiosity and then there's a hierarchy that happens yeah and they realize oh okay um, like around them they are the majority or i don't know what happens in the brain of a teenager but i think everyone subconsciously is being is learning something from the environment even mm. if no one is speaking mm. just for observation they know that oh, okay around me around my parents or in society or in the news mm. apparently these people are lesser than me you know what I mean and that's how they were treating me so I got sand thrown into my hair they pulled out my braids I got beaten up like bad <laughs> in school it was it was yeah pretty pretty bad I think my older sister had it a bit worse. Hmm. My mom sent her to like a, this Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And that school was like, oh, white, 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 mm-hmm. white. And my sister got beaten up so much that my mom decided to put me in like a pub, like a public type of school where yeah. there's like more wow. immigrants yeah, 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 in yeah. hopes that it will be a bit more balanced. But still, even, you know, I don't know if you know, but even among immigrants, sometimes there's this hierarchy going on, right? You still had that experience, even though you weren't yeah. at the same school as your sister. So the Turkish kids were beating me just the same as the white German kids were mm. beating me up, you know? And there was only, there was one class and it was, we called, we literally called it the a foreigners class because all the kids who were like of immigrant context were in the same class. Really? <laughs> Yeah, so it was like first grade, and there was like a, a A, B, C. So first mm. grade, one A, one B, one C, 20 kids in each class. Yeah. And then yeah. the A class was always the one where all the foreigners went in. <laughs> it was very interesting looking back. So when you um think about it and look back, do yeah. you feel like other people's opinions or how they treated you especially from school moving further on into to high school and stuff mm-hmm. do you feel like how they treated you and their opinions of you shaped who you were at that time mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it shaped who I am but it definitely ignited early on who I wanted to become mm. definitely so it was definitely the treatment as if I was less or worthless or you know matterless or something Mm. that definitely invigorated a lot of like anger but there also was a lot of energy Mm. for me to become like trying to become powerful because I felt so powerless you know Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah so it wasn't that I wanted to um I don't know, feel, I don't know. It wasn't about feeling uh, uh, popular. It was more, I never cared about being popular. I yeah. cared about like being respected, you yeah, know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because the, the um, because I think in my teenage years, blackness was already popular because there was the Fresh Prince of Bel- Bel-Air and stuff, yeah. right? 
but it wasn't respected. It was popular mm. in a humoristic, entertaining type of way. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like respected. No one is like taking you seriously like mm. that. So yeah. I think that was. I think that was what the experience cost me. I always. I felt like, okay, I want to be as influential as powerful as I can be and mm. then show them how powerful we can be I don't know I definitely had like a bit of a, like a power obsession or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. I don't know yeah no that makes sense because when I look at even shows like Fresh Prince in you know mm-hmm. where where English isn't isn't the first language even when it, where English is the first language in these countries mm. everyone looked at Will as like the main character yeah we love Will da, 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 and he was the jokey one he was the one that was getting into trouble he was the one he was just humorous but when you look at the likes of say like Carlton or someone like that who was the smart one who was getting the straight A's everyone mm-hmm. would look at him as you know as less than Not aspirational for ex- some reason exactly yeah. so and what then happens is when it, when those kind of unfortunately when those kind of stereotypes are pushed into non- black households sometimes mm-hmm. it's like oh when I see a black person I expect them to make me laugh or I expect them to sing or I expect them to rap mm-hmm. or I expect them to do this because this is what mm-hmm. Will does or this is what this character in this show does mm-hmm. so I can only imagine with you being in Germany moving from Ghana to Germany and that being people's reference for yes. black people yep. they just look at you like dance on me <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah we came here for the vibes you know what I mean definitely (laughs) if you if you could encourage though your younger self yeah what would you say with everything that you know now everything that I know now I would I would say like you are you actually are very significant and God has made you very like integrate and complex and stuff Mm. and you are yet I would say you are yet to find out how useful that is Mm. that it's actually not in your way it's just right now you're young and it's it feels like an overload Mm. but all these nuances that you notice that seem irrelevant will become very useful and important and will help people I think I will yeah I would tell myself to give my cut myself some slack Mm. I think that's what I would say because I wanted to be perfect I tried really perfect yes but what was perfection to you at that time perfection was outside of like because I had dyslexia so there's nothing I could do about that about Mm. spelling but anything else everything had to be excellent I like I I I don't know if I was OCD or because I was so obsessed with it I developed like being OCD I don't know which one is which but really like everything I wanted I never wanted to be late everything had to be in order Mm. um um I I wanted just to be ahead of the curve always Mm. um never behind I didn't I really didn't care about having friends which is something that like now in my adult life I'm kind of catching up to a little bit you know like like I could like I had a tough time like making I say um these like natural friendships because I didn't know how because I was Mm. so busy with my little Trying to be world perfect. world yeah, plan yeah. you know yeah and um like my sister do you know pinky and brain yeah pinky and the brain <laughs> yeah my sister said i was like the brain i was always like in my room like in a laboratory just in, just like, in your <laughs> just in trying to figure out how to 
you know, do this thing. And my sister was just, you know, like, I'm not saying she's, she was pinky, like she wasn't like yeah, silly yeah, yeah. or dumb, but she was just like out there enjoying her life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was always in my room like, mm. <laughs> I would always tell her like, why are you going out with your friends? Like, this really? is a waste of time, you know? I would tell her that. Yeah, I would feel, and then she would come home. She has an f- argument with her girlfriend. I remember she has an argument with her girlfriend. I'll be like, you see, friendship is useless. Like, they, betray, they betray you. Just focus on like your career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was about Loki. I was also jealous because my sister was my only friend. Oh, God. So I just wanted her to hang out with me because I didn't know how to make friends. So she was so popular. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to share you. <laughs> that in itself was an interesting dynamic with me and my sister. <laughs> so how, how how did that work with you guys? Because I'm guessing your sister was with in Ghana with you as well. So I'm guessing. No, my sister was actually born in Germany. Yeah, I know it was a jet set situation. I don't know how my parents did that. <laughs> so so how did that dynamic work with both of you going to two different schools with mm-hmm. her being older than you, her mm-hmm. being quite opposite to you in terms of being the one who you know has the friends goes out does this this, and this and you being how did that how did that dynamic really work Mm -hmm. it was uh, I think it was challenging for my sister because um she wanted to develop like her own identity or something Mm. and I was very like as a as a younger sister I was very clingy to Mm. her and then I was also quite like overprotective although I was the younger one yeah 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 yeah, because I felt I don't know. I felt I can see the dangers of this world and how evil this world is. Yeah. And I felt my sister somehow she can't see that. She needs, <laughs> she needs protection. I don't know. So what? So the dynamic was kind of funny because I became like the older sister to my young, to my older, older sister. sister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um and whenever something happened, I would come and beat up beat up girls. <laughs> I would go and fight for my sister and be like, leave my, I would beat up girls because my sister somehow she would always find herself in friendships that would like not work out. Don't work. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then I would come and fight with people. So that was kind of the dynamic. So on the one hand, it was always like, oh Nana, you're annoying my annoying little sister. But on the other hand, if something went wrong, I know, I she knew she would always come to me. I'm gonna come and I'm gonna, you know, mesh up the place. <laughs> 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 Don't mess up my sister. <laughs> And I was also always a really good secret. Like I could hold all the secrets because yeah, I wasn't yeah, going yeah. out no more. <laughs> <laughs> she would always tell me all the secrets. I would listen to it and I would be excited for her. Yeah. But she would know it's not going anywhere. Like I'm a treasure. My days. <laughs> so you then kind of grow up and you, mm-hmm. st- you go to, <laughs> to university for what you describe. Yeah. To be four horrific semesters. <laughs> It was a business management of theology uh-huh. what was so bad about that university experience and did that give you an extra push that whatever you're going to do after yeah you know, was you had to go a hundred percent at it yeah the thing what was bad about it is that um during school I was already working like I when in Germany you're allowed to start working from the age of 14 oh yeah 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 for like limited hours and then from 16 you can do like a part-time job so oh, I was always working beside school because I wanted to have money my own money yeah and then um and then I think when I was when I turned 18 or 19 I started like modeling here and there mm. and I was exposed to so I lived in a like in a um in a smaller city 
And then I, when I started modeling, I was going to Berlin, the capital. So yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, you live, I don't know where, but then you're going to London, you know? Yeah, you yeah, were yeah. Manchester, but now you're going to London, maybe yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so when I was exposed to, uh, to Berlin, I was like, oh, wow, okay, there's so much going on here. And so I wanted to explore that more. So I did more modeling and then I discovered this thing called freelancing, which mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I discovered this thing called freelancing and as I was like modeling which was at the time uh, mostly for um, Adidas yeah um, there was these there were these like showroom buyers meetings where the buyers of different department stores they go to the showroom and then they do their selections yeah, yeah, yeah. and this this is like a sales thing but at the time um, the um the the guy who was running the showroom asked me to come in to model the clothes yeah, yeah, yeah. when the buyers are coming and so as i was modeling the clothes they were having the conversations and i real and for me remember these are like two white guys yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about like you fashion and stuff like that that they haven't <laughs> from my perspective no clue what's going on culturally so they were having the conversations thinking about like okay do you think they will buy this more they will buy this more right and as I was listening to me, like the, you are getting it all wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so at some point I couldn't contain myself. Uh -oh, and I just, here goes Dada. Then, here goes right? Dada. Oh, oh, <laughs> but I, so I said, I was like, okay, yeah, I think you got it wrong. So young people care about this and this and that, and they will wear this and this and that, and you have to market it and this and this and that way. And I was talking like, and at the time, like influencer or micro influencer didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I knew that the people who who people imitate are the DJs in the club at the moment, at the time. Yeah. So I was like, you need to give these clothes to the DJs and you need to put like Adidas on their um, turntables or something. You have to, you have to bring it into the scene. Right. And as I was speaking, they were like, Oh, this, she knows something. And then I, uh, they hired me to just be a sales assistant consultant. I don't know if they created the job. Or yeah. They definitely, they definitely created the job. <laughs> definitely. But then I would be there every, uh, every Friday just like having the conversation with the sales guy yeah. with the other people i'm sure i was underpaid <laughs> <laughs> but i definitely increased the orders of the retailers, yeah, yeah, retailers yeah. Buyers, because now they felt much more confident because someone from the youth was there telling them another old white dude yeah, yeah, yeah. How it works yeah so that's how i like got into freelancing and yeah, this was a long loop but so um because i was already working when i finished my a levels I instantly went into freelancing. I didn't go to uni first. Yeah. I just freelance. And because I promised my mother, as every other African child does, that I'm going to become a doctor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I tried that first. Yeah. So I did an, uh, uh, an apprenticeship to be a sur surgeon assistant nurse. Oh, wow. And I did that because I said, if I study medicine, I want to become a surgeon. Everything else is boring. Yeah. I want like action and stuff. So I thought, okay, let me do this. And as I was doing that, I realized I don't ever want to be in medicine. And now I only had to figure out how to tell my mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right? So in that process, <laughs> I put so forth in order to... Let me so let me let me lay it down for you so that everyone knows how I trick my mom, but don't do it, okay? <laughs> I did it, so that's how I did it. I discovered there's Berlin City, yeah, and Berlin City has all these opportunities, which yeah. is also freelancing, which I really liked, right? Yeah. 
And then there was my mom who expected me to be in medicine. Yeah. And then there was an apprenticeship. So I said, okay, let me apply for a medical apprenticeship in Berlin. Berlin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then I can move with my mom's blessings. Because she thinks I'm underprivileged. Right. Then I will try this out because maybe I do like it, but I doubt it. But if I don't, I'm already in Berlin Berlin, and I can't do the freelancing thing. That's exactly what I did. And then I quit the apprenticeship. I didn't tell my mother. I waited a couple of months. Did a couple, did couple, more months. couple months. Couple months. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to prep. I had to prep. It's not because of the anger. It's like the look of disappointment. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, yeah. All of that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. She feels that your parents will feel like your life is over. You're literally heading, heading to homelessness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was prepping myself for that disappointment. Yeah. And doing more free freelancing gigs. So so th- this means that I was kind of entrepreneurial already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to figure out how to sell myself. I had to learn how to network, make connections so that I can get the gigs. Yeah. I had to figure out what the market needs so that I can kind of find my niche and stuff. And so I was doing a lot of like business administrative things. I yeah, just yeah, didn't yeah. know the works of it. So when I then, uh, so when I told my mom, my mom said she wants me to study after, still, I shall study something. Mm. And so I said, okay, I'm going to study business. And in the, pro- in the process of these few, two years in Berlin, yeah. I became a Christian as well. Yeah. And so I said, okay, I want to study business and I want to study more of the Bible. And so I thought, that okay, is let me a, that business. mix, that mix right there is, right? is wild. <laughs> So I thought, like, let me study business and theology, and and, and I was researching the um, the Bachelor of Theology in uh, in Germany, yeah, and the jobs, the job opportunities, and I realized, oh, okay, so a theologian is also the person who helps the government decide where to put schools and kindergartens and stuff like that. I didn't know how much like theology is involved in like, uh, uh, um, how you say, a community infrastructure. Although yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes so much sense if you mm. think about it. But that also made me more curious because then I was then I thought, okay, theology is still kind of a study of cultures. Yeah, somehow. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I found that quite interesting. And so, um, yeah, so I studied these two. Business development was horrible. <laughs> the reason for it was one, <laughs> everyone in my everyone in my uni was studying. They were like very typical business people. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Like shoes, Polo Ralph Lauren. Okay. With like the hair, like. <laughs> Not the <laughs> you <hair>. know? <laughs> I, I didn't feel like I really belonged there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then secondly, I was very cognizant of internet culture. I had yeah. a Tumblr and a MySpace. I was like very early on into the internet life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe also because I was such a loner, so internet was, you know, my I community. Hear I hear it. And um, and my curriculum did not include online marketing. So oh. when I saw that, I was like, how is that supposed to work? Yeah. So I was my first semester, my second one, and in uh, in the classes, the stuff that I learned was only terminology because nothing of the uh, the the system, the structures, or the knowledge that they were teaching mm. was new to me because yeah. I was practicing it already. Yeah, I just didn't know I was. Mm. Yeah, so I after four semesters, I quit because to me it was an entire waste of time. Yeah. Theology, on the other hand, that was great. I learned some Hebrew, I learned some Greek, mm. 
I learned a lot of like history, church history. Yeah. And it really helped me um, from my perspective, at least um, understand scripture so much more mm-hmm. like from like, I would say from the mm, metaphorical perspective, but also from the factual one. Yeah. Like I felt yeah. like some verses became much stronger and deeper to me when mm-hmm. I understood what the symbol of the uh, of the holiest of holiest actually means. Mm. You know mm. what I mean? Once I understood that more, it resonated even deeper with me. You yeah. know, or when I understood the um, um, the real translation of the Hebrew term of forgiveness, right? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. forgiveness means um, absorbing or um, nullifying or neutralizing. Mm. You know. So if you if I realize, okay, forgiveness doesn't mean I need an apology. It means that I go ahead and neutralize your wrongdoing mm-hmm. it has been you don't have to be involved in that this yeah, is yeah, yeah. a process that i'm doing with myself like yeah. literally you know dying to myself mm. i was like that's something different yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so it definitely strengthened my faith contrary to popular belief because mm. a lot of the uh, young people who were starting who were studying theology who came from specifically pentecostal churches they were all scared that they're going to lose their faith wow somehow. for me it was the opposite way <laughs> so in in studying and you know strengthening your faith yeah. when did it get to a point where you realize i need to be doing entrepreneurship and that's mm. my lane because you said you, you didn't like the business management or the business development course part mm. of the course but you like the theology so yeah. then that's kind of like okay you didn't go down the theologian route you still mm. went down the, the business route even though yeah. you didn't like the, the mm. course so how did you then navigate into then that space of entrepreneurship mm. then from that's that a point really good question. that's a really good question I think it was um I think I like the idea of sowing seeds and multiplying something mm. I always I like the idea of oh I, I, I just like the thought of there's nothing and then I do something and, and then, then it grows yeah, and it becomes yeah, something yeah. I, I don't know I'm, I, I did I always found that fascinating like maybe the creation story I don't know mm. maybe there's the creative the creator you know mm. and um and I did start in church actually mm. which is funny <laughs> because I did this what I'm doing now in my business thing I did the same thing in church. So I feel I practice everything I'm doing wow. in the world in church. Yeah. Because um, I, like, I became a Christian. So I went to Ghana, I was 23, to meet my dad, with whom I didn't have a relationship. Mm. And um, before, before he went to Ghana, he was an atheist mm. or agnostic or something. So when I then went to Ghana to meet him, he was a Christian. Mm. And he was very much a changed person yeah like my father was very critical super science super all this stuff right making a lot of fun of my mom who is like a very like pentecostal church mom you know and so i feel like i became kind of similar to my dad Mm. and but then when i went to ghana i got surprised because my dad was a christian and he had like all these new perspectives and stuff that he was sharing yeah and um i think the disconnect between me and my dad was a reflection of my disconnect between me and God, like wow, connected to my father, so I was disconnected to my father. Yeah. So when that relationship uh, uh, reconciled, 
instantly I God made sense to me all of a sudden. I don't know. Wow. So it was like a double healing and I'm grateful for that. Every time, like every time I come down, I'm like, wow, in this place, I found God and I found my dad. It's so amazing. Wow. <laughs> I became a Christian. And so when I went back, you know how newly Christians are. We are zealous. <laughs> I was super <laughs> zealous. <laughs> I was so zealous. So the first day I did, I found my home church. I went to church every Sunday. To, went to Bible study on Wednesday. Prayer yeah, all night on Friday. Everything. That's you've what we everything. do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? The Bible in a year plan on you, baby. <laughs> and everything that comes with it is <laughs> what I did. Yeah. And so my pastor in the church, he noticed like that I was so zealous, but he also noticed that the youth was very like drawn to me. There yeah. was like a magnetism, a natural magnetism mm. from the youth in the church because they always came and were like, they like my outfit, my hair, whatever, what I represent to them. Mm. And so my pastor at the time noticed that before I noticed it, mm. I was influential for them. Yeah. So he kind of kept me around. And then at some point, um, uh, doing church bible study that's like that was a moment that i remember mm. this i used to sit like in the corner opposite of him yeah and then that one time the seat right beside him was the only seat that was available everyone every other seat was taken yeah so i sat beside my pastor and as he was teaching he had moments where he couldn't find the word that he wanted to use and i had the word in my head Mm. as he was going like um i said a word he said yeah exactly and then he continued mm. and then he had that again and he had that a couple of times so after that bible study uh, was done he called me before i went home and then he said on sunday you're going to translate because my pastor was american yeah so he was speaking english he said on sunday you're going to translate into german and so i started being his translator mm. and it was so seamless I was shocked. <laughs> like it was so seamless. That translate it was it flew out of me. It was so easy for me. Had you translated before? Or was this like the first time? Like it was that the kind first of first time. Wow. I never done that before. Never like I didn't know that I had like a language gift or anything like that. That's why I know it was the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so I was doing the translation, which like really helped me um, get like understand like tonality and speaking and mm. all these things that you need in sales mm. sorry but <laughs> i learned that in the church honestly yeah. and then because now i was on stage there was like even more focus from the youth so i think after like six months or something my pastor asked me if i want to do youth bible study he feels like wow. i should try it and then i became the youth leader of my church so with the youth the youth was like my little business <laughs> My little startup, as yeah. stupid as it sounds, nah, but they were like my tiny little startup because they were, I think they were like 10 or something. Mm. And um, they were very much bored <laughs> in mm. church and they weren't as excited as I was about the Lord. Mm. <laughs> so I was thinking about ways to make them excited. I was thinking about ways to, you know, bring the word to them in interesting ways. How can we involve them? So I concepted a lot of stuff. I was like, okay, we need a youth Sunday. Mm. We need a youth choir. They need to have their own youth practice. They need to have this. They need to have different things that yeah, yeah, are yeah. more, that fit them more. They mm. also need like after school programs where people help them with school stuff because mm. we can't say they're coming to church and nobody's helping them with school because yeah. they were all in, around the age group where they're doing the A-levels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So all of this, like, I added and added and added. And then at some point, the church board was saying, okay, this youth stuff 
is getting out of hand and it's costing too much money. Mm. <laughs> and so I said, okay, I have to figure out how to make money for this youth. So I said, okay, on Youth Sunday, the youth's going to sell overpriced waffles. You say overpriced. <laughs> overpriced. Because no one in real life would pay like five pounds for a waffle. But you love the youth, don't you? So, yeah. <laughs> so you will, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we were selling, they were selling waffles, and we were making really a lot of money. And with that, I financed the youth going on trips, them mm. going to youth camps and meeting with other youth in different churches, you know, so I was doing like branches, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or expo, I don't know what you want to call it, but I was literally practicing anything. I was practicing network marketing, I feel with that. And then I did this conference called return conference. Mm. And that was a, like a huge um, youth convention mm. where, um, where I practice event production, live music production um uh, uh speak inquiries booking all of that i was practicing there and also like budgeting and funding mm-hmm. and stuff. i did a funding round in the church to, to get 20k to make this production out of nowhere like i'm sure my church was thinking this girl is crazy like she came from nowhere now she wants 20k from us like what the hell's going on but i had a vision <laughs> and it worked out we did we got the 20k and then mm-hmm. we got jonathan McReynolds. We got Esso, and they were all not like big, big, big at the yeah, time. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah, was yeah. like right, like it was right when Jonathan landed. I remember in Berlin is when he got nominated for the first Dove Award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he landed in Berlin, and this catapulted like from my perspective, they came and then they left, and then all of them went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And quite big. Yeah, so that was like these were my. I feel my boot camp for entrepreneurship you know what because uh, after that that's what i did i did a lot of event management a lot of event production mm. outside of church do you know what's amazing as well about just your story up to this point and even when we what we're about to talk about in terms of you know yeah. founder of you being these two companies you were yeah. always in a place where you were needed like you were always able to be in a place where you were needed, but then also able to do the right thing with the right amount of zeal, with the right amount of energy, with the right amount of focus, with the right amount of, when you had a particular thing on your mind, you were going Mm -hmm. to do that in that particular place, whether that was someone troubling your sister and you wanted to beat them up. So you was in the right place (laughs) where he was needed and you you weren't going to let anyone trouble her. Or whether that you were, where you were in church and the youth, needed someone you were in the right place and then you used what you knew and you learned on the job to then be the person that they needed at the time moving forward into these two companies well you're a founder of two companies as well as the cult the, the Kelcon convention so yeah. you're also now in the place where people of that look like you that look like me need you yeah and it just mm-hmm. seems to be that theme of you just being in the right place at the right time for the people that need mm-hmm. you the most mm-hmm. how did you or how did you feel about starting something like that? Because I can imagine there's a lot of, what's the right word? Backlash, mm-hmm. restrictions in what you were trying to start. And when yeah. did you realize you were on the right path? Mm, that's, your questions are great, <laughs> honestly. You have really good questions, I must say. I think... Um, uh, 
think there's like two answers to it. Like one mm. is I actually didn't know that I was at the right place at the right time because really? I usually had so much um how do you say resistance mm. um that I felt like I I always felt like I'm pushing the envelope. Mm. So um and I think this came because I was immature. I was I was a powerful youth leader, yeah. but I was very immature because I was a newly convent. Yeah. Right? Like I just converted and instantly I had like this, I don't know, this leadership position. Yeah. So yeah. although I had a lot of knowledge, I didn't have wisdom or maturity. Mm, or the so experience. I, exactly. Yeah. So just because I see something or I can analyze something, it doesn't mean that I understand tone, tact. Mm. You know, timing, all mm. of that didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I offended a lot of people. So they were like, so I think people were rightfully offended a lot of times mm. by me looking back because I didn't, I didn't know my place in mm. the commas. Yeah. And there's a way to bring things to people. Yeah. But I just came like, this needs to change now. If you're not going to do it, I will find a way by myself. Yeah. That's what I always <laughs> and I found a way. Yeah. But it was, it always ended up with me having like a breakdown because I was so exhausted in the end. I it used like how you say it going like swimming against the stream yeah 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 costs a lot of energy mm. and sometimes there are people who actually are on your side mm. but you feel like everybody is not getting you wow. so you just do it on your own and mm. use so much mm. of your strength and that's not that's really not how it needs to be so I just want to say out. that yeah yeah I wanted I wanted to make sure I say that to, for it to not sound super romantic because I was like a very immature ambitious person and sometimes ambition is also like misplaced ambition is also mm. not useful you know yeah so I was ambitious but immature I would say that mm. <laughs> um but yeah so coming uh, to to your question I think with knowing when I was on the right path um I feel the only the, the only indicator I had about being on the right path was having energy mm. <laughs> like where I felt like whenever I was like on the right path I would not get tired mm. because I would be very like it would consume me solving something solving this issue or solving the issue mm. or understanding this thing it would consume me so much that I would have endless resources of energy mm. until I have it fixed or until I understand it or it makes sense to me mm. so that was kind of like my indicator and then um I would also say that um it was a lot of like where I where I was reading scripture in the time honestly mm. because sometimes I was like reading chapters um like for example like there was this time where I was reading on Job mm. and um and how he oh no sorry Jonah sorry how uh, he was supposed to go to Nineveh, mm. but he went the whole other way, other directions. Mm. So and that theme like consumed me about like people going into the wrong way and blah, 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 blah. And mm. that inspired me to figure out a way to get, uh, to help young people understand that they can be young and creative mm. and uh, still be Christians. Because yeah, I yeah. felt like to them, it seems like it's like they have to go these ways. Mm. Yeah, that's what also inspired me a lot, uh, like a lot in the beginning. And then other than that, honestly, I would say it was, uh, I said um, injustice. Yeah, 
Mm. Not for like, I, and I wouldn't call it because now everyone is woke and we're political. But at that time, it wasn't like a political injustice that I noticed because mm. I wasn't really politicized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was more like I, I just noticed this is unfair. That's it. Mm. <laughs> so I saw something is not fair in my view, and so I wanted it to become fair. Mm. So that gave me again energy to work towards making this more fair. Mm. Yeah, that's really I think these were the three things I would it would I would always have energy I was working towards making something that seemed unfair to me more fair mm. and there was some kind of a bible story that was similar to where I was at yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. do you feel like especially starting out one of the reasons why you were so passionate about it was because of your experience back mm-hmm. in school your experience mm-hmm. when you first came to, to Germany and how you felt and on top of that a lack of representation within your country as well yeah 1000% I remember the first time I came to London Hayden <laughs> I thought I'm in the land of milk and honey I was like oh, wait a minute wait a minute what were my parents thinking coming to Germany this is the wrong place it was the wrong place that was the wrong decision mom and dad because when I went to London I was like this is where I was supposed to be living (laughs) I remember like it was yesterday there was like so many black kids and everyone seemed to like everyone at least to me appeared like free yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. right because in Germany it's this little thing like where people have a little bit of a chip on the shoulder they try not to um uh, 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 draw too much attention to themselves mm. so from my so from my perspective I feel like uh, Germans of African descent or Africans who live in Germany they work a bit with like a bow and I never liked that mm. and in the U and in London I felt like everyone was walking with their chin up and mm. I loved that mm. so when I was in London I was like yeah this is where I need to be and then I realized like culturally the differences which was also so much fun to discover for example Nike Air Max mm. right so in Germany at the time in the 90s, it was skinheads who were wearing like Air Max. So it would be the racist people. So you know, if like a white dude is wearing that Air Max, you better stay away from that guy. So then I went to wow. London and I saw all these black people wearing like Air Max. Yeah, and this yeah, is yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was like, wait, this. Okay, there are differences. Yeah. Then I realized it was the same with Lonsdale London. In Germany, the guys who were wearing Lonsdale London were the ones that I should be running away from. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we're wearing bomber jackets, you know? Yeah. And then in, in London, I was like, wait a minute. It's Black everywhere. people are wearing yeah, yeah, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, How does that work? So I so a lot of like also culture and lifestyle because America was like we couldn't really identify with America because yeah, yeah, we were yeah. here. So London was the closest thing for us. Mm. So a lot of the black youth was very much inspired by UK black youth. Mm. Yeah. Do you feel like with where you've got Curlcon to at this point, mm-hmm. Style Endy at this point, Curl yeah. Agency at this point, when you look at what you initially set out to do, do you feel mm-hmm. like it's doing that or do you feel like it's doing that and more? And more. I think it's doing that and more. We did like a couple of pivots which you have to do if you, you know, if yeah. when you start a business, you never know really what sticks. You just throw some stuff and see what mm. sticks. 
and we definitely did a pivot. So CurlCon was the first thing that I did. It was like the initiation and yeah. like the disruption in the industry, a very loud like bang that mm. I did there. And then from that came a lot of inquiries for consultancy. Mm. And I was already doing brand consultancy, but not like on an agency level. level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried it once and uh, failed actually. I actually went broke before, right? What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just took a lot of risks, sir. <laughs> let's let's backtrack. Let's backtrack. Let's let's <laughs> let's let's go to that. How does someone who is it the immaturity again? Is it the um what's what did you say? The immaturity, what you had, you know, the passion and ambition, all that the yeah. ambition. Is it the, the immaturity mixed with the ambition that got you to yeah. that point? Definitely. Yeah. Wow. I want like, because I wanted to have my own business so bad. Right. Wow. So I was, I was very quick. I wanted to start a business, start a business. Yeah. And I was doing brand consultancy and I didn't understand how taxes work and stuff because I wasn't financially literate. Who taught me? Nobody taught me that. Right. So um, I, uh, I registered, a, I registered a business mm. and then I was like sending invoices, making some money. And also in Germany, once you're 18, you can go to overdraft as well. Mm-hmm. So I was overdrafting for the, in the name of marketing and uh, business development, you know, overdrafting. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm doing like, I'm, I'm investing in my yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next thing I knew was I was like uh, 15K in debt, 15,000 in debt. And it's like, it surprised me how fast <laughs> it happened. <laughs> it really surprised me myself how fast this happened. And, uh, and there was no way I could make this, I could make the money back at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like such a like weight on me. So I went to like um, a tax lawyer and I asked him like what my options were. Mm-hmm. And then he said, I mean, you are, you are quite young. You can file for bankruptcy in Germany. This will be six years. And then, you know, you're out of it and you will have no record and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Or you can, you know, talk to all your debtors and then pay it off small, 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 small. But then you don't know, like when you're going to be done with yeah. this. Right. And at the time I, I personally, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I keep saying maybe what's going I personally felt like it will not take that long and I will make, a lot of money mm. so i don't want to have that hovering over me yeah 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 yeah. and so i said you know what i'll file for bi- private bankruptcy i just want that i just want it gone mm. and as i'm building and i'm not making much money i rather live like below my means yeah yeah yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, building yeah and then making money and then you just keep taking money away from me i don't yeah. want that so I filed for private bankruptcy and so for six years i couldn't get a credit i couldn't do overdrafting nothing which at the end was the perfect playground for me because I had to learn how to make money before yeah. I had money. And that's, that's what made me such a good salesperson, such a witty, uh, witty finance, like finance nerd now. Mm. I like, I got obsessed with Excel sheets because of that simple factor. And I really, and I, uh, and I made CurlCon into CurlCon because I sold the idea without having any budget. So I had an idea of CurlCon and I needed, I think, 60K or something. Mm. So I sold the package to brands before I even knew I can produce the thing, but it worked. <laughs> I'm telling you. And that's because I was, I was literally broke. 
Yeah. I'm now I'm laughing, but at the time I still want to, I, I want to make sure, you know, at the time there were tears, there were prayers. Yeah. Blood. <laughs> yes. But at the same time, that's, that was my school of life. And yeah, I think that's also the reason why now I would say I'm a quite a calm person in the storm. Mm. Yeah. Would you say, and it's going to be weird for me to ask this, but would you yeah, say right. the ban- the bankruptcy was one of the best things that happened to you? I would say yes, yeah. Wow. But only looking, but only looking back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right when I was in, when I was in that, all I felt was shame. Mm. Because it's attached like money problems, and you know, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. attached to so much shame. And the way now money literacy is becoming is like a trend thing. You know, people, young people are into Forex and mm. I don't know, Megan the Stallion is teaching financial literacy in partnership with yeah, Cash yeah, App yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It's like, and it's good. But at, the, at that time, that wasn't the case. So mm. if you don't know, if your parents don't teach you, no one else teaches you. And there were so many specifically immigrant context kids that were in debt and their parents were in debt anyways themselves. Mm. But they also just, inherited that lineage of debt and a lot of them at the time the debt where it came from was from um phone contracts mobile phone contracts Mm -hmm. yeah so um i wasn't unique like i wasn't a unique person with that but you feel like you are the only one because no one talks about it Mm. so it was like a lot of shame i remember i only told my um my pastor at the time that i'm fighting for bankruptcy and that I feel so ashamed because I'm out here teaching the youth and all that stuff, right? Mm. And then um, I told like two of my best friends. I never, I didn't tell my mom and I didn't tell my sister. They found, they literally found out. <laughs> so crazy. They literally found out um, in my Vogue article when they read my Vogue article. Because in that article, I said, I went broke before. And then my sister called me and was like, wait, you went, you went broke before? <laughs> really? Yes, because I knew if I would tell them, they would be so worried. My mom would instantly want me to move back home. Mm. She would say, move back home. Like, it's not safe there. You tried it. You failed. Come back. You know, come back. Get a regular job. Find an Osband. <laughs> she would just say, come back home. <laughs> You've been out in the wilderness long enough. Like, wow. <laughs> she didn't even tell them. You didn't even, you didn't even have been. That was... <sighs> being in that place especially being so young that must have been so like lonely as well as the shame but the loneliness that you must have felt that's definitely the like depression was definitely a like a companion i would say for Mm. me i was depressed a lot and um yeah i was depressed and like i'm already as like cerebral person so Mm. i'm a lot of my brain I was like a little bit of like a loner child. So yeah, already, yeah. a lot of these things like contributed to um, a very like, um, I had a, a very introspective personality and sometimes a lot of introspection at some point, how, how much deeper can you go, mm. you know? So you just get lost in like new thoughts that are in, in the depths where it's unnecessary. And that I've, I would say this is a breeding ground for depression as well. Mm. So what drives you now in terms of you, you, you've got Curlcon, there's yeah. other, there's other things that you do up, up away from your businesses. Yes. What drives you now, not only how you help yourself, but how you mm-hmm. help 
and I other keep coming people. back to other people, especially yeah. those of, of, of black origin in yes. countries like Germany. Yeah. yeah, I think what drives me the most is um, meeting people mm. in stages of um, whether it's self-discovery or um, in like in that pivotal moment between I can do it and this is impossible for me mm. when I like I I like meeting people in that stage mm. because I know that stage so well mm. and so I love hiring people who are uh, who just came just came out of school or yeah. they're in between school and uni and stuff I love hiring them because they usually need a little money mm. <laughs> and they um and they want to work in uh, with something that is fun yeah so yeah. Pearl Agency and CurlCon like pop culturally mm-hmm. we are very like popular mm-hmm. and uh, young people and young aspiring professionals they really want to work with us we get a lot of like applications mm-hmm. and then in that process when they work with us um i'm capable to create that space that i didn't have for them to actually discover what they really mm-hmm. want to do without this like toxic environment you know yeah so you when you like when you work for us you usually do like administrative work in the beginning and Mm. maybe some like social media stuff yeah like quite easy tests that anyone can learn on the job is really not like you know rocket science Mm. but when you work for us you get an agile training which Mm. you could never afford yourself right because it's part of our onboarding then um, you will learn how to actually write an invoice. You will learn like more life skills. Mm -hmm. And then you work in a team and you will learn accountability because we have like very strong company values, which is accountability and growth and uh, uh, um, integrity, Mm -hmm. things that you probably will not learn in a regular job. But at the same time, we do make money, Mm -hmm. you know? So I feel like um, whoever does like three months or internship with us, they come out very like, I, from my perspective, they become, they come out mature, yeah, like mature, but also much more clear about who they are mm. and not who they need to become to fit somewhere, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like we, like we have this one thing, like one thing that we like to do is we try and ideate, right? So mm. we work in like increments, okay. which allows you to, which allows you room to try something like in a safe space yeah and let it maybe it works maybe it doesn't work mm. but there's no stress if it doesn't work yeah, 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 yeah right so like that not having that pressure to allow you to experiment a little bit mm. at work yeah, yeah, yeah i think is so key and i wish that there was more like that yeah um and yeah so i think that's that's what i love the most about my job Mm. and then I also really love being like an employer because Mm. I feel I had really bad bosses yeah (laughs) (laughs) to be honest like terrorists kind of and so uh and uh and my experience was I had two mentors one is Sharice you know Sharice yes 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 yes, he's also from London yeah so Sharice was mentoring me and from her I learned so like I had a, a woman lead me a black mm. woman lead me and that experience was so like so precious again looking back yeah. that I would want to give that to someone else like I was Sharice allowed me to live with her for mm. a while you know I could like literally shadow her uh she would really 
like give it to me straight but also catch me and stuff like that mm. and I would have like a safe environment to become an adult somehow yeah, 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 you know yeah. and that's like that atmosphere I want to make sure I have that in my company mm. and um and then I had another mentor which is um, Yutunde Shorters and uh, she's um she's the wife of the one of the campaign managers from Obama mm. and from her I, this is where I learned on the go on the job uh, social media marketing mm. so I had two female black women um, like bosses or guides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and from that I learned like a lot of self-confidence and you know that I can do stuff and so on and I wanted to implement that somehow in my company mm. so that more people can have like a woman a black woman boss mm. Quite hard in Germany to have. In all that you do, because you do a lot, very, yeah. very clearly you do a lot. <laughs> where do you find time for your life, for your personal yeah. time? Or does That's it all just mix into one? Yeah, I think it mixes into one. I think my work, because my work is so closely tied to my own personal journey. Mm. Um, it kind of morphs into one, mm. has morphed into one. Um, and yeah, honestly, so my like my personal time is when I sleep. I like to sleep. Mm. <laughs> this is like my personal time. I love reading. This I would say call is my personal time. And then like when I travel, mm. also the like the loner thing about me, it had never left. Mm. So I think this allows me to like have personal space, although yeah, yeah, yeah. I work with a lot of people and it's and um, I have to interact with a lot of people. I know how to be in my own in company. Your space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I enjoy my own company because that's what I've been doing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Jesus. <laughs> so um, I think that's also um, yeah, the personal time that I have. I'm now trying more and more to um like do more stuff with friends and so mm. on and practice that more but that's something that i have to do like uh, intentionally because yeah. my default is i'm just by myself and i'm yeah, so used yeah. to that. that's my default yeah when you when all is said and done and you leave this earth mm. what impact do you want to have left and how do you want to be remembered Mm, that's a good question impact wise I hope that um, I can help more people or support more people in their business endeavors mm. black people um, whether it's through skill sharing knowledge information or investing mm. I want to definitely be an investor mm. And then I think the other legacy maybe is that people felt like when they met me, they left feeling assured or something, you know, mm. feeling assured. Like one time um, a girl, so I get emails from a lot of young girls who want to start like beauty businesses and stuff like that. And mm. they are always surprised when I say, yeah, cool, let's schedule 30 minutes. I always try to find 30 minutes somewhere yeah, to yeah, yeah. and give you some input because that's what I would have needed. Mm. And so there was this, 
this one girl that was last week so she had the call and she was so nervous about this call mm. and as we were talking I was able to calm her nerves mm. for her to actually make the most out of the session so that her nerves won't you know mm. mess up the time that like her time for 30 mm. minutes and when she was and when she was uh, like when she was done with the session she uh, her, her feedback because I asked for feedback she told me that I'm such an intense person like mm. it's like talking to me is very intense <laughs> but, at the, but at the same time she feels like she can do anything now mm. yeah, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. feeling yeah. is what I want to leave them with I want them to feel like I what wherever I have it from that they get like an intense like a hit like a electricity hit or I don't know what they need what kind yeah, of yeah, hit yeah, yeah. I can give it to them <laughs> but at the same time that I can speak into their life in a way that isn't that that makes them robust mm. you know like I want you to be rooted so that the wind because it will waver there will mm -hmm. be so many storms but at the same time I don't want you to lose like your your sense of like dreaming and stuff mm. and I feel for especially for black people in Germany I feel like they they think they have to sell one for the other mm. but there is like a sweet spot if you are if you are willing to learn so mm. that's why I, what I hope when they meet me that they see that that I am a big dreamer and, you know, I'm weird and stuff and you can do that. But I'm also very diligent and focused and mm. disciplined in mm. what I do. So both needs to be there somehow. And I hope that, yeah, when they meet me, they, some, they I embody that well. Mm. No, that is great. That's excellent. And I, <laughs> from what I've seen of you and from, from how you talk and from what I've seen your work, you are doing that with a lot of people. And it is great to see from my perspective in a country where you will feel like very much the outsider. You are giving people a voice. You're giving people heart, passion that they can mm. pursue whatever they want to do. And I think mm. that's amazing. My last question to you. Yes. With where you're at in life right now, what yeah. advice would you give to yourself? Wow. Me, me to myself right now? In yeah. This time? Oh, wow. Mm. Advice. Maybe don't worry too much about tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, I think that would be the advice. Yeah, I need to. I have a post it on my, my, I don't have it here, but on my bedside in Germany. Mm. And on a post it, it says, while you sleep, God's still working. Mm. And I think that's what I need to tell myself a bit more because mm. sometimes um you know I want to make things happen mm. but I don't have the full control I I can I can create momentum there's a lot of things that I can do yeah but the ultimate you know is not in my hands mm. and sometimes I think I still find that quite challenging so the only space where I know that where I where I have like the physical, um, uh, 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 I said proof mm. that this world will work with or without me is when I sleep. Mm. <laughs> because as I sleep, I don't know anything that's going on. I'm gone. Yeah. I don't even know where I am really. Yeah. Right? <laughs> anything could happen. Mm. But some way, somehow, 
everything works. The sun goes up, mm. birds fly, the wind happens, gravity is still there. Yeah, yeah, everything yeah. still happens. And that I, I want to lean more into, into that and knowing that there is the con like the control is not ultimately mine mm. nana thank you very much <laughs> Honestly, this has been <laughs> amazing conversation you've dropped you've definitely dropped some gems in here that i know people are going to take to um so i really appreciate your time oh I'm absolutely nah, it was excellent again thank you so much for thinking of me and having me no nah, i definitely i had to i didn't know i didn't know how it was gonna work i don't know if it was gonna be germany <laughs> ghana in the uk i don't know how i didn't know how we was gonna do it but yeah. i made sure we did it and uh, to you guys watching at home thank you guys for watching conversation with h with the amazing nana addison you know